Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's what I love about Diane Sawyer. First of all, she is a goddess. And who doesn't love a goddess? She is just brilliant in everything that she does. She has an extraordinary command of the English language and is an exceptional writer. When she sends you a note, even if it's just email, you get it framed, because it's that good. For over 40 years, she's been a great journalist, daring to ask questions that most people wouldn't have the courage to ask, but we all want to know the answers to. And she does it in such a smart and graceful way that no matter how probing she is, the subject can't even get upset. She has conducted thousands of interviews with everybody who's important enough to talk to and has reported from danger zones all over the globe. I remember the very first time I saw her. It was CBS Sunday morning back in the 70s. And this woman came on and talked for seven minutes straight without a note or teleprompter. She was talking about the Iran hostage crisis. And I said, who is this woman? It was Diane Sawyer. Everybody has a story. And there is something to be learned from every experience. Use your life as a class. This is Masterclass with Diane Sawyer. I read once, which I love so much, that this great physicist who won a Nobel Prize said that every day when he got home, his dad asked him not what he'd learned in school, but his dad said, did you ask any great questions today? And I always thought, what a beautiful way to educate kids, that we're excited by their questions, not by our answers and whether they can repeat our answers. I so believe in people's curiosity. I so believe in the fact that we are somehow born to love the truth, that we'll find it, we'll find it. And there are going to be a lot of different ways of doing it. I love the riotous and still somewhat unnerving democracy of information right now and that you can get it a thousand different ways. And I'd be concerned if everything didn't change, especially in the world of communication. I'd be concerned if we were still three hegemonies out there, three networks that really controlled the kind of information that was prioritized at 6.30. But we still have these enormously big, in television in all terms, and I'm talking about all of us collectively at 6.30 at night, big, thoughtful audiences, and they are movers and shakers out there. And they listen, and you can volley an idea. 
out into the world and watch it come around again. You can tell everybody something, something at the center of politics or at the center of what's going on overseas and see the way the next day it drives the questions and drives the answers. We bring to you every night our collective curiosity. And my biggest job, I think, is to make it clear so that you say to yourself, I didn't know that. The great thing about journalism is there's no definition. I can't define myself because I'm the person who jumped on trampolines on TV, and I'm the person who does <laughs> interviews with Saddam Hussein. Journalism is waking you up. It's reminding you that this is a big, fast, exciting planet. It's loving a fact, something shiny and rock solid that you've triple checked and you know this is a fact and in the world there are such things as facts. Other than that, it's your curiosity. It's what you bring to it and it can be small and hilarious or it can be big and devastatingly important. All the people that I've met that influenced me. I am a part of all I have met. I mean, everyone from the Michael Jackson interview and Appalachia, all the way to Stephen Hawking. I mean, everyone a different lesson. I had a whole series where I did dictators. Have dictator will travel. I did Noriega after he was captured. I did Saddam Hussein. That was hard. That was hard. Everybody in the room was terrified. All the people around him were terrified. And you could actually hear them when I'd ask the questions. Impertinent by their standards, maybe even by ours. You could hear them go, <gasps> My main concern was that we wouldn't get out with our tapes. I didn't think they would <laughs> take us captive because of what I was asking, but I was afraid that we'd go all that way and they'd seize the tapes and we wouldn't get out with them. In Saddam's case, I thought, isn't this fascinating that if you become a dictator, it is true. I mean, it's just psychologically true. You'll start hearing only what you want to hear. And so you'll become increasingly ignorant of the real world. And gradually, this became a kind of anger, a kind of rage, so that there was more and more control necessary to feel less and less beleaguered. I said to him at one point, why do you put people in jail if they criticize you? Why, why put them in jail just because they're criticizing you, or worse? And he said, well, look what you do in America. And I said, what? And he said, you do the same thing in America. And I said, no, we give people their own television show <laughs> if you criticize the president. That's what we do in America. And then he told me how horrible it was that we won't let Native Americans off of reservations, that they can't get off the reservation. They can't leave the reservation unless they have special permission. I said, that's not true. And he actually looked around the room at people and he went, is that not true? And I thought, oh my goodness. It made me think that, it, that what we had heard was true, that, namely that he didn't think the U.S. would invade. He really did not believe it because those around him had continued to tell him what he wanted to hear.
which is you will become the all-powerful dictator of Mesopotamia and the U.S. is an impotent, recalcitrant nation that will never act on its own interests. I, I think he probably was told it. Sometimes I get on a plane and I'm going from Afghanistan to Haiti or whatever I'm doing and I think, I can't do this. I can't, it's over, I can't, this is it. This is the day, I just can't do it anymore. And then I look down and I open a folder. I go, well, that's kind of interesting, actually. And then the next thing you know, I've got 14 questions. And then I'm imagining the person I'm going to meet on the other end, and, and that's it. Fuel, just got refueled. Let me tell you, the only way you can get up a lot of these mornings is if you can't wait to see what's around the bend. My father was a kind of miracle of integrity and gentleness and shyness somewhat and dedicated purpose and fun. How you get all of those things in a man who grew up on a farm in a pretty remote part of Kentucky and really there was no reason to believe any member of his family of nine children would be able to go to college but they all fought their way to education and to learning and loving books and loving mandolin playing. And he would write country music songs in his spare time just because he had spare time and he could fix anything and he could take you right away to your global positioning system that kept reminding you the person you wanted to be when you started. And he always brought you back there. Nothing, nothing was ever worth waking up and saying, I'm not the person I wanted to be. My dad, I still think, had the most beautiful, simple checklist for what you should do in life. And he just said, when I had no idea what I was going to do. And he said, do something you really love that you would do it anyway. Do it in the most adventurous place you can do it and make sure that it helps other people. And if you feel there's a genuine need for it and that through that need you can help other people, you're home. And he saw my local newscasting, which is arguably <laughs> not getting to see any success of any kind at all. I did the weather really badly, really badly. I famously, and it's completely true, didn't have contacts and couldn't even see the West Coast. So whatever was happening beyond my myopic sort of view, which was about to Cleveland on the map, <laughs> didn't happen anywhere in the globe. And I, was, I couldn't pay attention because I, I knew it mattered, especially in Kentucky, it really mattered. But I just was always, my mind was wandering and I, was, I would sign off every night with poetry. I mean, why nobody stopped me, I don't know. I was your original geeky weirdo doing the news. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. 
So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. I was born in southern Kentucky, and after I was born, my mom and my dad decided to move to the big city. So they moved to Louisville. And my dad had just come back from the war, and he, this is, this is such a lucky Norman Rockwell event, but he and a group of war veterans pooled their money and went out outside Louisville and got a street, which they got GI loans to help them with, and they started the church. And then they gradually sold the lots and populated the houses. And we lived on the street where you had, I mean, it's a Ron Howard movie. You had, you had Fourth of July parades, and the doors weren't locked, and the kids played together. I still see the two of my friends that I played with when I was four years old on that street. And it was one street of not giant houses and the most tradition-loving community. Really lucky. My dad grew up on a farm, my mother grew up on a farm, my grandparents lived on the farms. We went to the farms on the weekend and, the, and farm country farm life was in our DNA in every poetic and real sense of the word. You know, my mom put us through all kinds of lessons in the most loving way because she dreamed of being able to play the piano and dreamed of taking dancing lessons. And so she just made sure we had every door of instructional opportunity, and then we can make our own mind up what we wanted to do. She drove us to lesson after lesson after lesson and sat there and waited for us after teaching school all day and then going home and cooking dinner and taking care of the house. You know, having it all was not it was a cause for solidarity among the women of my mother's generation. They just worked and had children and did everything else too. Every time I hear about somebody who's successful, who had parents that supported them and helped awaken a sense of belief and a spirit of, I can do it in them, I'm always just really impressed by that because obviously I didn't come from the same kind of background, but I see that having that instilled at an early age has a definite and powerful impact on who you become. Those words from her father, we can all live by. Do what you love, do it in the most adventurous place, and make sure it helps other people. Master, check. Before Diane became the Diane Sawyer we all know today, she had landed a job in the Nixon White House. She was the press aide under Press Secretary Ron Ziegler, and eventually became a valuable member of President Nixon's team. When Nixon left the office following his resignation, Diane Sawyer left with him and soon followed him to California to become his literary assistant and help him write his memoirs. Richard Nixon and the White House around him was, was a, a puzzle, a, an, a, a, you know, an infinite complexity. I was so young and I was there because of a number of circumstances, not one of which was I was political. My father had been political and in politics, and so his Republican history in, in Kentucky before he died made a difference in my ability to get hired there. But I just thought, well, that will be sort of interesting to work at a White House. 
I, I kind of looked at it as another horizon, something I'd never seen around that corner. And wouldn't that be interesting to look around that corner? And I got there and I was a doofus. You know, I knocked the president down my first week there. I actually physically knocked him down. Coming down the stairs, and I didn't exactly know where I was, but I was bounding down the stairs, rounded the corner, knocked him flat. Secret Service hoist me <laughs> up over him like a tent, and I, I thought, that's it forever, but he was extremely kind. And he didn't know me. He used to call me the tall girl. I saw that tall girl ask her to research that thing, and that's how it began, really. It took me a long time just to figure out the dynamics, which I think are true of any president, namely that the whole White House is oriented in a way like tropism, like sunflowers with the sun, and it's oriented to the president and his approach to things, his reality, his in some ways, his strengths, his weaknesses. In that White House, particularly complex, because he was not your usual politician, to say the least. He was far more introverted, I think, uh, far more inscrutable, probably far more, this will surprise you, sentimental and vulnerable, and then in other ways driven by the anger and the feeling of an unjust history and what it had done to him. And it's overworked to say it, but it was, it's a real Greek slash Shakespearean study in character writ large. I ended up leaving with him on the day he resigned through a series of strange necessities on the part of the people around him. I went out in part just to be a kind of researcher, fact-checker, to make sure that things were exactly what everybody said they were. I had this weird retention. I could retain the page number of a given book that had been written or a transcript of a tape that had been issued at the time. And so I was going to stay a couple of months and I stayed four years, so. To have a chance to sit with a former president, whoever it is, and sometimes three and four and five hours, because he no longer had Henry Kissinger <laughs> to talk to. It was just a small group of us. And be able to hear how he saw his experience in the world was a in a way, a historian's graduate course. Because you're not only hearing what he learned about the world, you're hearing how he sees what he did in the world. And that's a rare opportunity. I don't know how you are there and get all the advantages of getting to go to China and the White House experience and the amazing things I saw and learned there. And then when someone, however much in disgrace at the time, asks you to help, you say, oh, no, I don't do that. I only do the China part. I don't do that. And in a way, it was my father's ethic that you're not doing it for politics. You're doing it because you 
want to be the kind of person who doesn't walk away when someone is going to have to look at a very bitter chapter. Clearly, Diane's love of curiosity and learning new things infuses all of her work. Through her interviews, she's given us insight into the minds of world leaders, the famous, the infamous, and the unknown. But her real gift, I think, is not just getting people to tell their stories. It's to be able to infuse your own curiosity into a story to a point that it makes other people awaken their own. When I'm at work, I am just driven by curiosity. And that's not a philosophy. That's just an energy. I'm very leery of imposing philosophies on anything journalistic because the minute you do, you've limited something. You've formed an overarching idea, which necessarily means there are things outside your overarching idea. The world is our idea, and what we can learn is our idea, and what's new today is our idea. And it's such a, in some ways, practical business that I think that to have very high-minded ideas of what it is you do can make you miss that one thing over there which is completely new and riveting and maybe not the most exalted topic in the world, but is the thing that really matters to people. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. In all of our work, you need people who reinforce your best self, as Oprah would say. You need people who are the mirror of your best self. You want to be able to go flat out and have somebody go, cliff, waterfall. <laughs> tornado, banana peel, and stop you. I mean, there's nothing more fun than knowing that you have around you people who are so smart that you can try harebrained things and they'll stop you before you get in trouble. To me, television is still really high wire. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen live and you never know in real time what you're gonna experience. We get to get up in the morning and say, what might other people actually be thrilled to learn today or helped by learning today? Isn't the best thing when somebody says, you've made me see something in a new way. You've made me think and, God willing, made my life better. Joy is such a force multiplier, an energy multiplier in everything we do. I interviewed Stephen Hawking, and he tells his children, if they find love in life, to consider it the greatest gift, the winning of the lottery that life can give you. And he tells them to stop looking at their feet and look up at the stars. I think that 
in your early 40s when you never thought you'd marry and you thought you had this independent life and wham, suddenly this huge yes is staring you in the face. Pretty great. The best part of my life happened every single day I am with my family and able to try to do something to change the world a little. It's every day. I am happy every day. I just can't bear that some are born to hope and light, some are born to endless night. Is it a Blake poem? I cannot bear potential that just by want of money or want of a door that could be open for them never gets to shine, never gets near the sun. I think what you see when you go to Camden and when you go to Appalachia and you see all these kids who dream the dreams that their neighbors five miles away are dreaming, same dreams, they have absolutely the same intelligence and the same imagination and what they could bring to the world. And if the doors start closing on them instead of opening, it's a crime against nature. I go to sleep wondering, I go to sleep thinking, well, if I don't get an answer on why they're not delivering help to those people who need it by tomorrow morning, I'm going to go there myself and knock on the door <laughs> and see. At least they'll have to tell me why. And can they tell everybody in front of a camera why they're not doing that for people who need it and they have it? I think that's, that's what we do. In that Buddhist way, when something is broken, something dies, something new is being born, I think that in the broken places, the light shines through. Leonard Cohen. Love Leonard Cohen. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt like hell. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you aren't in despair and mortification and that it's not going to take a while, but ultimately it does. It does, it teaches you. And so, to the extent that every one of these is about hope, and it is, it's about hope, because ideas make things happen. When people wake up, things happen. And when we bring the stories back, every single one of them has gotten responses from people watching, people hearing about it, people going in. There's, there's another group going into Appalachia in the next couple of weeks, still based on what I did months and months and months and months ago. And companies now are taking a look at it in a new way. Oh no, things happen. Doing something on the poorest places in America is another way of doing something about hope and possibility. I honestly believe you need people who reinforce your best self because when you stay inside who you really are, you will be able to live not only every day in purpose and joy, 
but you'll be able to look back and say, oh, I see, I see, that was good. And whenever you are blue or lonely or stricken by some humiliating thing you did, the cure and the hope is in caring about other people. And I mean it. <laughs> I have really special feelings about Diane Sawyer. Growing up, being a journalist, always trying to see who else is doing this job, doing it well and doing it better than I am. She is a master of our journalistic age and time who has maintained such integrity and done it with such grace that she is really, nobody can imitate her, but if I could, I would. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Masterclass, the podcast. You can follow Masterclass on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Masterclass podcast. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack, fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.